The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity FM. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. We're really glad that you're here. We know you're listening all across the U.S., and you're listening in Ireland today, where it's cold and snowy, and we've also got listeners in Canada, and so we're just glad to have all of you listening in. Uh, thanks so much for participating, and thanks for letting us know how much the Spirit of Recovery means to you and all that you're getting out of it. We love to hear from you, so thanks so much. Uh, it's great to be reaching out and broadcasting on the topic of recovery on Unity Online Radio. And um, so we know that uh, we're opening up your minds and hearts, and we know that uh, you're sharing with us the things that you're thinking. We always have wonderful guests on our program each week. We've got guests that talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable, who are innovative. They're people who are in recovery themselves or people that work with or write for recovering people. We're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. The spirit of recovery is certainly a welcoming place. Recovery is a large tent. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction, whether it's a substance addiction, whether it's behavioral addiction, gambling addiction, um, sexual addiction, um, whether it's food addiction, any type of thing, or whether you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or, or a friend of somebody with the disease of addiction and you're simply looking for information or if you're someone who is interested and just wants to learn more about the process of recovery, we welcome you here and we welcome your participation as a listener and in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor, and also I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. About 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and ever since then, my recovery walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and my life keeps getting better and keeps transforming. Uh, there's nothing like recovery and unity to help you dig deep into who you are and to live a life that's living out your values that you hold so dear. So I'm really grateful and very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about recovery with all of you and also certainly to hear what you're experiencing in your recovery walk and in your spirituality. On every show, we have a drawing and we give away a recovery book. And those books are donated to this program by the nonprofit Hazelden Foundation. And their website is www.hazelden.org. So thank you so much to Hazelden for donating our books to us. They're wonderful books that Hazelden publishes. And today's book is by Mel B., who was a guest about a month ago. And Mel is a, a recovering person and author. And the book today that we're giving away is 101 Meeting Starters, A Guide to Better 12-Step Discussions. So you can email 
email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or you can call in at 888-558-6489 and get your name in the drawing for the book. We're happy to have you comment when we get to the second and third segments of our show to make comments or questions. But also um, just know that we're happy to have you simply contact us and we'll put your name in for the drawing. So today... As usual, I have a wonderful guest, and um, my guest is Jeff Kay, and our topic is recovery on the go. Jeff is a busy guy, and um, he's been that way before recovery, and he's still that way today. Jeff has many roles. He's a consultant to nonprofit um, artistic groups. He's a vocal artist. He's an actor. He's an artistic director of a musical theater company. He's a music director. He's an auctioneer extraordinaire. He's a businessman and a politician. And last but not least, he is a recovering person. And Jeff just celebrated three years in recovery. So happy birthday to you, Jeff. And Thank welcome. You. Yeah. Thank you. So, it's great to be here. Yeah. Really glad that you're um, here today. And thanks for taking the time out to, of your busy schedule to share with us. And uh, we're going to hear some today about how you do that. You're busy, you're involved in work, in your community, um, but yet you still put recovery first. So how do you do it? Well, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, support meetings, and I go, I start every single day with uh, a support meeting so that I can get through the day and uh, make sure that I'm putting together another 24-hour uh, window. And I, uh, you know, I, I change my social circle quite a lot, and I like to spend time with other other people who are in recovery. It's mm-hmm. safer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that makes a difference, doesn't it? It's like who you're, really? who you're spending time with, it, it's what pulls you and what interests you, and, and uh, it's kind of can uh, lead you into what's, what you're going to get involved in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh and I didn't cut off, you know, I didn't end my relationships with other people. I just don't spend uh, the, the kind of social time that I was spending before I got into recovery. Right, right. Because you, um, I know that people are a really important part of your life and that you always do like to spend a lot of time with people. So it sounds like you've just transformed some relationships. How do you Absolutely. deal with, with the people that um, maybe you used to, to hang out with when, when you were active in your disease? How do you handle those relationships now? You know, I, I've been very forthright with uh, everyone in my life about my recovery journey. Um, I, I make sure that everyone knows, and, and not, not so that they will feel uh, guilty, but just so that uh, they understand why I'm not participating in, in going night clubbing or those kinds of things that I, I did quite a lot in the past. Um, and I go, as you said, I, you know, I am involved in, in politics and uh, uh, rotary club activities and all kinds of social activities in our community that often include wine or a cocktail or those kind of things. And so I've just been very clear with people that I, I do not drink. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, of- it doesn't put anyone off. It really doesn't put anyone off. Good. What kind of reactions have you gotten when you've told people? That takes a lot of guts to do that. It does. At first, I'll tell you, I got I got people uh, really shocked. Uh, I was very good at hiding my disease, and so a lot of people were surprised to discover that I was uh, in recovery. Um, uh, but you know, usually people are are congratulatory rather than critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, did you get anybody that had a negative reaction that that put you down or that said? I don't want to hang out with you anymore. No, not so much that, but I certainly have had people that that have said to me, "Well, you're you're not an alcoholic. You, you that's ridiculous." And uh and I always answer that by saying, "Thank you. That means I never embarrass myself in front of you." But <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, uh you know, I explain to them that that I absolutely am and and people seem then comfortable with that. I, I know that, uh, I mean, I've had dozens of people be absolutely shocked, uh, but I've had 
many, many more that uh, have expressed that they were worried about me and they're glad to see me in recovery. Mm-hmm. That's great. So it sounds like you've done a really good job of creating uh, support for yourself, even in a broader context, even with people that, that aren't in recovery, but you've done a good job of, of creating a network where you can be who you are. Absolutely. And frankly, Anna, uh, I wanted I wanted people who were my friends that uh, were not alcoholics, but uh, were normies that could have a, a glass of wine or a cocktail and be done for the night, to be aware and uh, provide a, a safety net for me. For example, if I if I said, "Oh, I suppose I could have one drink," I really wanted them to say, "Look, you can. You may want to blow your sobriety, but you're not going to do it in front of me." So I really needed people to know that I was on the journey, and uh, it's been very helpful for me. I right. certainly have never said to anyone, oh, gosh, I think I'll have a drink tonight. But, but you know, when I first was in recovery, I wasn't really certain that I could make it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I needed, I needed all the help I could get. Mm-hmm. And that required uh, disclosing that I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I know was, that it was easier than I thought, really. <laughs> you know, it was it was uh, after after you say it a time or two, it it uh, rolls off your tongue a little easier. But the, the first few times was tough. Right, pretty scary, probably. Scary, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that at the time you uh, got into recovery, when you were making that transition, that you were. In public service, you were in politics. You were a public figure. That's How right. did that go for you uh, to be making that move into recovery and, and as a very public figure? Well, I uh, my closest colleagues on the on the city council that I served on, I was uh, very forthright with, and uh, because it was actually customary for us after a, a council meeting frequently to go have a beer or a, a, a drink, and uh, I was, they were some of the first people that I, I told, uh, so that I wouldn't be in a situation where they were asking me to go out for a drink and I then had to face it. So, um, uh, and you know, honestly, everyone was, was very supportive and, uh, uh, you know, I knew, I initially thought, well, that's going to get out, you know, I'm a public figure and people are going to say, oh, well. Did you hear this? And um, it, that just did not happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't as big news as I thought it was. You know what I mean? Right, right. Do you think that it affected your uh, standing in the community at all? Uh, I think I actually think my standing got better. Frankly, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. when people knew that I was I was taking that this new journey. Right. It's a Good. tough journey to take, you know, and uh, as you know. Uh, and, and, uh, I was, uh, you know, after the first three months or so, I started getting quite, quite proud of, of every 24 hour window that I had. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I know that, uh, that you also have a lot of service commitments and I'm thinking of that, that as you were a public person and became public about your recovery, what positive effects that, that have had. Uh, has had on people that um, I believe that you participate where you were yourself in treatment and other service commitments. What positive effects has your being a public person had? Well, you know, there, we have a, a drug court in the county where I live, and I uh, I have spoken at the graduation for the drug court, and uh, uh, you know, I think that I I like to think that it it helps people to know that there uh, there are prominent successful people who are alcoholics uh, and that they have the opportunity in their lives as they take the journey to become successful and and do whatever it is they dreamed of doing, and that's the message that I send. Uh, uh, and so I like to I like to speak there. I like to go back to the treatment facility where I uh, attended and uh, share my story, particularly with regard to being certain that you get a sponsor and and go to meetings because that uh, network of people is so valuable uh, in in the recovery journey. And 
and and support you know i i tell i tell those people um your story is my story and uh despite the fact that that there may be a, a drug that you're taking that i didn't take it's probably because no one introduced me to it and that's really the only reason so i i can really empathize with where they are in their process um uh, really my big encouragement with those people is getting them to go to meetings that's the tough hurdle in in uh, treatment uh is is getting getting people to do more than they're required two meetings a week so that right. they have a really, really strong network of support. And, you know, when I started, I think you may remember, I did up to 25 meetings a week. I absolutely fell in love with, with meetings, and I planned my day around uh, three, four, and sometimes five meetings. Um, so I was really... Uh, actually excited and thrilled to discover the people that I met in meetings were people just like me. You right. kind of have a, an image of people, you know, that are, that are uh, alcoholic being something other than what they really are. It's really every man, every person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is potentially an alcoholic, you know. And uh, as I said, I was very good at hiding it. Right. And, you know, you've done an amazing thing. What, what you're talking about here is that you've broken through that barrier of stigma, which is still with us, even in this day and age, that stigma that people have about the disease of alcoholism. And you've you've turned that on its head. You've just gotten right out there and said, yes, I have this disease. Yes, I'm in recovery. And you've, and you've through that, you've helped people... Uh, to let go of some of the stigma, as you said, to see that a person can be successful and to uh, look around and, and see that it's just people. You know, it's not Absolutely. about your moral character or whatever. It's just Absolutely. people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I always, tell, I always tell people, especially if it's their first meeting or their first few meetings, look, if there is anything, absolutely anything that I can do to help you take this journey, please call me reach out to me, let me help you if I can. And if something that I say resonates with you, then by golly, pick up the phone and call me. So, uh, and there's, you know, I've gone on a couple of those uh, uh, 12-step calls, and uh, that's frightening and very gratifying Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know. Uh, if you can if you can wrap your arms around somebody and embrace them and say let's let's get back to a meeting and and start the journey again uh, without you know looking down my nose at at anybody because I know that it's just I'm only a sip away from being right back there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i I'm, I know me I would go right off the deep end I'd be right where I was when I stopped. Great. Jeff, thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break right now. Thank you so much for telling us about how you um, make recovery work for you and how you make those connections. And when we come back, we're going to start with the Serenity Minute, and then Jeff and I will keep talking about recovery on the go. We'll be right back. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity FM. If you have been inspired by the programming on Unity FM, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the tithes and love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate. Thank you. A Catholic priest, a doctor from the Mayo Clinic, and a woman from Trinidad meet at Unity Village. No, that's not the beginning of a joke. It's the incredible reality of a Spirit Path experience. Spirit Path at Unity Village is the Heartland's premier spiritual retreat and workshop destination. Start planning your Spirit Path getaway to Unity Village, Missouri now. For a complete list of Spirit Path workshops and retreats, 
visit www.spiritpathonline.org slash unityfm. That's spiritpathonline.org slash unityfm. What if everything on the big TV screen of life could be interpreted metaphysically? What do current events and popular culture signal back to the collective soul of nations and individuals? Join us every Friday for New World Radio. Bringing Unity's teachings to the issues of today. The Reverend Laura Barrett Bennett and her weekly guest Christopher Naughton take you on a holistic worldview journey. With special guests, real issues, and your phone calls and comments. New World Radio with Reverend Laura Barrett Bennett. Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This is Unity's online radio, the voice of an awakening world. To join the discussion, call us at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Recovery on the Go, and my guest is Jeff Kay. And Jeff has been sharing with us about what it's like to be a busy person, be a public person, and still be in recovery, and how he has navigated those waters of letting the people in his community know that he is in recovery, and how uh, that has had such a positive effect in his life and on the life of this community that he is a part of. But before Jeff and I continue our conversation, let's take a moment for our serenity minute. This is simply a moment where we relax, where we center ourselves, where we open up to that presence of the higher power that lives in us, as us, and through us, and allow ourselves to be refreshed by the spirit within. And so I invite you right now to join me in focusing on this constructive idea as we relax, allow our minds to rest, and to be open. Here's the idea. I love my life. I let go and let God open my heart to all that surround me. I love my life. I let go and let God open my heart to all that is around me. Thank you for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that you've been refreshed and renewed by that time in the quiet. We're back now with my guest, Jeff Kay, and we're talking about recovery on the go. And this is a great time for you to give us a call if you have a comment or a question for Jeff about your recovery journey. How have you navigated connecting back to your larger community? Have you been able to tell people uh, about your recovery? Has that been the right thing for you to do? Everybody's a little different. Whatever. What comments or questions do you have for him? You can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm and or you can call us at 888-55-UNITY. And our lines are open. This is a good time to give us a call or an email. Or if you simply want to put your name in for the book drawing, today our book is 101 Meeting Starters by Mel B. And we'll put your name in for the drawing. So with that, we're back to my guest, Jeff, and talking about recovery on the go. So, Jeff, when we were wrapping up in our first segment, you were telling us about how you uh, are of service, how you connect with your recovery community, how you go on 12-step calls and and, uh, connect back to people that have had a relapse and um, how important that is. And what that makes me uh, think about is how uh, 
such a part of the disease, whether you're a family member, whether you're someone with a substance addiction or a behavior addiction, such a big part of the disease of addiction is isolation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and a look at your life, and on the one hand, okay, you were really, really connected but um, and very public, but emotionally and spiritually, you were isolated. So tell us about that. How does that work? How does it happen? Well, uh, it, it happens, I think, in large part because uh, out of fear. Uh, you know, I, I actually, when I went into the treatment program, I did not believe that I was an alcoholic. Uh, and uh, the, I, I had to drink every day, by the way, and able to go to sleep, um, and it was uh, quite a lot. I'm mm-hmm. uh, saving about $1,200 a month mm-hmm. in liquor costs, so <laughs> you can extrapolate that out. That's a lot of that's a lot of booze. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did not know that I was an alcoholic, and that is mostly because I was I protected myself and. Uh, if I was out in public and it started to get a little on the heavy side of the drinking, boom, I was out the door. And uh, so no one would know, and then I'd go home and drink enough to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it meant that even though I went to a lot of events and activities, I usually left early. Um, and uh, and often I would just pass on going to things because I, I wanted to be able to... Uh, drink mm-hmm. as much as I want it. And I, I remember uh, distinctly because alcoholism runs in my family and I certainly didn't want my family to think there was a problem. If I had had uh, uh, too much to drink and the phone rang, uh, you know, thank goodness for the technology of caller ID, I simply wouldn't answer the telephone. And I was able to explain to my family then when I called back the next day, well, you know, I had this activity or that activity, and they believed it because uh, because I did have so many uh, things going on. And so I was able to use that as my uh, hiding place and and continue to, to get deeper and deeper into the disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, believe it or not, when I... When I started going to treatment, I still thought I was fine, and I probably just needed to uh, figure out how to control my drinking so that I didn't overdo it every single time. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, I was only in for a, just under a week. Uh, in fact, when I went to my very first uh, AA meeting, I, I absolutely heard my story, and I had a whole emotional collapse when I realized that I, in fact, was uh, deep in the disease. And, uh, and, and that is, in fact, the moment that I decided that I was going to do everything I could to recover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I started becoming more public right at that moment, you know. Right. And that's the miracle of recovery is the disease is the isolation. The spirituality of recovery is the connection, the identification. And, uh, and you're starting to connect publicly but from a deeper place, from a more real place. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I know and I can that- see things in people I didn't see before. You know, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. What kind of things you saw? What, more emotional uh, things? Or- yeah, I, I, I have a better connection to other people's... Uh, emotions. Uh, I, I recognize uh, sorrow and depression where before I didn't uh, in, in others as well as myself. Um, and I recognize when someone's uh, needing a, a, an arm around the shoulder and that kind of thing and a leg up. And, um, and I find myself caring when, where before I just would dismiss it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so, yeah, that's incredible. Now, I know, yeah. too, that back to the, the spiritual part of it is that you were uh, certainly a regular church attender. You had been attending church for many years. In fact, you were yeah. on a church staff as a music yes. director. And yes. um, so how did that work? You were active in your disease, but you were active in church. What was happening? Well, what was happening is that uh, uh, I convinced myself that I was uh, – a spiritual person and and uh, committed to my uh, uh, spiritual community uh, every week. I, you know, I I was in church every Sunday and and uh, going through the paces, 
I certainly did everything that everybody else did, uh, frequently nursing a, a hangover from, <laughs> you know, Saturday night's a good night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, and, uh, and not really thinking anything about it. Mm-hmm. And then as I started into the recovery journey, Anna, I, uh, but my first reaction was that I felt terribly guilty. I'm sitting on the dais uh, every week looking at the congregation. They're all looking at me. They are all uh, viewing me as a leader of their spiritual community, and I really felt like I had been lying to them for years, and I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. As I first entered into recovery, later in the journey, I felt less so. Uh because I understood how the disease works better. But, um, you know, I, I toyed with the idea of, of uh, resigning my post, uh, uh, but not, not resigning it and telling why, just, just that I just no longer felt that I should be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, frankly, as the, as the journey went on, uh, and it really didn't take very long, frankly, uh, for me to to uh, to give it over to God. You know, right. God, God for me is my higher power, and I uh, I really was happy to do that, and aware that I simply was not going to be able to do this, even with the support of friends and family. That it was going to take. Um, God tapping me on the shoulder and embracing me and me allowing that to happen. And I think uh, there had been, as I reflect back, dozens of times when God was speaking to me and I simply wasn't hearing. So did it do you good to be in church all those years? It did. It did because I understood the all of the principles of, of uh, spirituality, I just wasn't letting them manifest in my life. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Because I really thought that just being there was, was, you know, the most important component. That's, for me, now not true. Uh, I, have to, I have to live that spirituality every day um, and let, uh, let the Christ in me manifest. So what's different? And, How's it different today? How do you let it live in you? Um, I, uh, I, I I think through awareness of others. I think through uh, love and, and, and uh, letting my light shine and sharing my story and, uh, and letting people know that there's, there's a better way that, that life can be lived. And when you embrace uh, a God that works for you, uh, your life just becomes more and more enriched. And, you know, I was one of those people that thought, well, that just sounds ridiculously trite. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would go to an AA meeting, but what's all this God business? I, I know all about God, I'm, you know. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and when I started feeling what I think is real joy, and real happiness in my life. I knew that that I had been really ignoring the spirituality that was really trying to live in me for decades, not just mm-hmm. a little while, many years. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I try to be of service, and I try to uh, help others, and I try not to be critical of other people, and I you know I really try to. To embrace that, uh, if uh, if there's a if I'm feeling ill about somebody, that it's coming from me and not from them. And I, you know, I just I just really have embraced the sort of the spiritual journey that, particularly unity, uh, is for me all about. Uh, but I think it it manifests very well throughout humanity, and people have noticed. I have people say all the time, "Where's Jeff, and what have you done with him?" You know. <laughs> did the body did the body snatchers come and take the old Jeff away? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a, I was angry. I was always angry and cranky mm-hmm. and and bitter and and grumpy and and uh, and I'm not now. 
I've really let go of all of that, and I just, I just don't, I try not to make time for ill feelings of any kind. I mean, I certainly get upset, you know, and then I, I like to go within. I like those serenity minutes. Sometimes right. you need those many times in a day. <laughs> yes, you do. You told the congregation that of of your church uh, that you were in recovery. What kind of reaction did you get, and how was About that? About yeah, it was. Uh, it was at, by the time I was ready to do that, it wasn't the least bit scary, and uh, I've never. I don't think I've ever felt the kind of love and warmth that I felt uh, when I when I disclosed that. Uh, you know the. Uh, it's interesting the 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 unity principles and recovery seem so in tandem with one another at least from my perspective mm-hmm. and perhaps that's because I'm on the recovery journey but uh, you know people people just embraced me with love and light and and did everything that uh, I was afraid they would not so, so you were surprised when they re- embraced you I was. I was. I was actually your... imagined that people would, would sneer and say, oh, I knew there was something about him. You know, not at all. Nothing of the kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say to ministers, to church communities, um, about how to support people in their midst? Because, again, it's a disease that's so common. You know, if, if you've got people together, you've got people that have this disease. What's your, right. what's your word of wisdom? Well, you know, I think that it, unfortunately because of the way that the disease works in people, most of the time when peop- when uh, loved ones or, or ministers or anybody are, are uh, talking to somebody who's in the disease of addiction, they are doing that in anger usually. Mm-hmm. Um, they're angry. They've been embarrassed. They've been hurt. Uh, they've been. Uh, they've had things stolen from them, and so from they're coming from a place of anger or fear or uh, something. If it's possible to come from a place of of love and let let uh, people that you know who are in addiction know that it's not a bad thing. You know, it's so interesting. When I first went into recovery, I thought, oh, this is going to be so embarrassing when people find out. But it never, ever occurred to me in the 25, 26 years that I was a heavy, heavy drinker that if I got extremely intoxicated and made a fool of myself in public that that would be embarrassing. I never thought that one time. Mm -hmm. But I did think, oh, gosh, if people find out I'm an alcoholic, that will be so embarrassing. Well, of course, today, I say, I'm not the least bit embarrassed to tell you that I'm in recovery. I am proud of it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. I'm proud yeah. of it. It's fabulous. And yeah. I was proud of it relatively early, Anna, in the journey. I, I, I realized that I was doing uh, a good thing for myself as well as for my community. Um, and I just, I put down the bottle. I hope I never pick it up again. I, I always say I, I might drink again someday, but not today. That's why I go to those meetings every day. Not today. That's right. One day at a time. One Jeff, day at thanks a time so much. Yeah. We got to take a short break. Um, thanks okay. so much for sharing all this with us. We really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back in just a minute talking to Jeff about recovery on the go and, um, Give us a call, email us with a comment or a question, and uh, we'll be right back. Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way 
that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. I try to live by spiritual principles, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed by what's showing up. I wish someone would just get real about how to use this stuff in my day-to-day life. How can I, just one person, make a difference? Join Rev. James Trapp and Rev. Robin Ferguson every Thursday morning for Evolutionary Living. Let's talk about and connect through the challenges that are facing us as we navigate this changing world. We can have compassion for our human experience while also knowing that we are mighty spiritual beings empowered with the task of living from a higher truth. That's evolutionary living. Join us every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. I'm glad you're listening today. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is Recovery on the Go. And my guest is Jeff Kay. And he's been talking to us about how he keeps himself centered and balanced and connected to his community, um, participating um, and growing spiritually and emotionally as he is in recovery. This is a great time to give us a call at... 888-558-6489. That number is also 888-55-U-N-I-T-Y. Or you can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We'd love you to join the discussion if you've got a comment or a question for Jeff. So, um, Jeff, you've been telling us about how you uh, have changed your relationships with the people in your life and how you have let people know that you are in recovery and and the re- good responses that you've gotten back. How's it been with your family? Sometimes that can be the hardest uh, place to for things to change because there can be some old hurt feelings and all kinds of stuff. How have your relationships sure. changed? Uh, well, you know, I, uh, of course, my family I disclosed to uh, right away that I was in treatment as soon as I just as soon as I determined that I was going to continue in treatment, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but once I realized that I was going to need to stick with treatment, I, I let my family know, and uh, they were surprised. But I I had alcoholism uh, running in my family, and I have a younger sister who was uh, bitter that uh, that. You know, she felt that I had um, been hiding my addiction even when I was doing things to try and help her get out of her addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And by that, I mean, you know, we put her into recovery programs, treatment programs, uh, uh, twice involuntarily. Um, And so she felt like I had really been uh, deceiving her and the family, and she was bitter. And that took some time to to work through. It really did. What did you do? Uh, um, you know, I had some really candid uh, uh, talks with her. I started by, uh, frankly, making some amends to her for 
misleading her, but then explaining that, unfortunately, uh, the way that my addiction manifested, I really did not know that I was in addiction. And so it was difficult for me um, to feel like I had been purposefully deceitful. I hadn't been. But at the same time, I, I did want to take responsibility for um, for her hurt, and mm-hmm. she and, and recognize that her hurt was was very real, uh, whether I thought that it was appropriate or not. And uh, we were able to to uh, to heal, I think, quickly. And she's walking a walk of recovery as well, mm-hmm. uh, as is my father. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, we now frequently. Um, support one another and call each other and, and uh, uh, go to meetings together and that kind of business. But if there was there was some time there where she was uh, she was hurt, and uh, I have uh, another younger sister who was just absolutely certain that that I was not uh, an alcoholic. There was mm-hmm. no way that I could be an alcoholic, and so uh, um, that took some time. In fact, my mother. My own mother did not know that I was an alcoholic. She just had never seen me, uh, you know, in a in a state of intoxication. So, you know, family Christmas and holidays and stuff. I was very careful not to consume, mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't uh, wouldn't get uh, intoxicated around my family because I had to uh, alcoholic. Uh, members, my dad and my sister, who were active in recovery, and uh, uh, I didn't want them to think that I was in the same place that they had ever been, and I didn't really think I was anyway, uh, but of course I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've healed, and we, you know, now we talk uh, quite openly uh, about. Uh, all, all of the things that we're going through, emotional things, uh, uh, stresses that come into our lives that might uh, trigger, uh, you know, the, the need to uh, have a drink. or uh, We try to stay away from those. Right. As much as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in, in all of these changes and in this, um, the the midst of, of everything, this has been a whirlwind. It's, it's, been three wonderful years, but really only three years. Um, so that's a long time and not a long time at the same right. time. So right. how do you how do you keep it all in balance, Jeff? Um, do you ever get overwhelmed or or just like ah? Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I get overwhelmed. Uh, oh, several times a day. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I like to keep my hand in a lot of pots and, uh, uh, sometimes I think, oh dear, I've overscheduled or I've over, I've overbooked myself or I can't, uh, meet this challenge that I have in, in, uh, work or, you know, I, I'm traveling all over the country now, uh, doing quite a lot of things and, and sometimes it all becomes overwhelming. Uh, and I try to, uh, I always try to find a meeting. <laughs> I always like to know where the meetings are, wherever I am, so that uh, uh, if I'm absolutely careening out of control, uh, you know, so I, I, I've been here in this uh, community in Iowa for a month, so uh, I have a, created a support network the day I got here mm-hmm. called called the local AA and, and uh, gave my number and asked for some numbers and where the meetings are and, and created a network so that I would have... Uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I uh, sometimes feel great at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and by noon, I think if I don't get to a meeting, I'm going to chew someone's head off. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so I like to know where all the meetings are, and uh, I like to be able to, to get to them quickly. That really helps me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the surrender, serenity prayer is common there, sometimes the Lord's Prayer. But things that really put put things back into perspective for me. Mm-hmm. What's it uh, like going to meetings in places where you don't know anybody? 
You know, uh, it, the first one I went to was in Manhattan, and uh, that was a little scary, but, boy, they're well-attended meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they insist that you talk, and uh, so, you know, you just, there's no, there's no opportunity to hide. Um, I've been to meetings in Hawaii and in uh, Connecticut and, and all over the country, uh, Los Angeles, and... Um, I, you know, you that now you kind of feel a sense of uh, of uh, celebrity. You know, they you, certainly the same people go to meetings all the time. So when someone new walks in the door, I I am always embraced and welcomed and uh, uh, by everybody. You know, and uh, uh, people are interested in what my journey is or what I might have to say about whatever the topic of that meeting might be and uh, and I have phone numbers from fellow people in recovery from all over the United States. Do you keep in touch oh, with them by phone when you're not there? I do. I do. I've kept in touch with, uh, there's about five uh, uh, gentlemen that I keep in touch with all over the country. Um you know, text messaging is so easy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I always get phone numbers the first day I walk into a meeting, uh, and uh, and I call them. I call them, and you know, every time I call a number, I hear the same thing on the other end every time. You're the first person who's ever called me. Thank mm-hmm. you for calling. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, you know, I I like to make those kind of connections so that. Uh, so that wherever I am, I feel a really strong sense that the the people that I have connected with really, really care about my sobriety and my recovery, and and I hope that that I'm sharing with them that I really care about theirs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you uh, you spend a lot of time, as you said, connecting with people in the program and attending meetings and so on and so forth. As we know, you do a lot of other things. Um, wh- how, what's the message for people that are in recovery? Do you, should you spend more time at meetings or more time out in the other parts of your life? Or how would you frame that? Well, I think for everybody it's different. I was fortunate uh, when I started that I ran my own business, so I had the flexibility to spend a significant amount of time, as I said, sometimes four and five hours in a single day in meetings. Uh, I have less time now, and I, for me, I have found that I don't need them quite as much, but I, as I said, I start the day with a meeting. Um, that's really helpful for me, and uh, I, I think that you, you kind of have to weigh your own life, and uh, uh, if you're a head of a household, then that probably is... Uh, creates a different activity, but I'll tell you, I tell everybody, if you only spend the amount of time every day in meetings that you spent while while drinking or using, you're probably doing okay. Mm-hmm. And I really did have four and five hours at a time, not in the morning usually, thank goodness, but, uh, but it's not that I couldn't have, and, uh, but once I got going... Uh, four or five hours at a time was not uncommon. Uh, so, I, I for me that was a good formula and it worked really well. But I really just say, look, if maybe sometimes you don't need a meeting, but you need a cup of coffee with a friend. So I like to give people my number, and I love it when they call me, and I do get called, and I love to go have a cup of coffee, and I'll go have a cup of coffee any time of the day. Great. I'm so it's about making that connection. Absolutely, it's all about connections. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes meetings can be the same. They can, they can sort of get uh, tedious uh, if you don't shake, you know, shake it up a little bit. But if you go to a meeting and then you, you grab a, uh, shake a hand on the way out and go grab a cup of coffee, I think that's really valuable. And I think that it's, uh, you already know you have something in common. And that is that you are trying to stay away from from the, the substance today. And uh, so I think that that's really, really valuable. Great. Jeff, thank you so much. You have given us um, a lot of wisdom. Thanks for sharing your experience so openly. And uh, 
thank you for all that you do in the community and for being so uh, open about your recovery and, and thanks for the difference that you're making. Thanks for being with us today. You've really blessed us. We appreciate you it. Bless me. You've blessed me, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you. Uh, we're just so glad that you're with us today. And let us know what you're thinking. Uh, contact us on Facebook. Contact us um, through our email. And uh, be sure to join us again next week on Tuesday when our topic is going to be families. What's love got to do with it? And my guest will be Dr. Fran Williams, um, who is an educator, who is a family therapist. And uh, she's going to be talking with us about family dynamics and what kinds of attitudes and actions can really create love, including at the holidays. So thanks again for listening and being part of Spirit of Recovery. Thanks again, Jeff. And remember to all of you, you're a blessing and you're in my prayers. So let your heart sing with joy this week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Anytime a situation seems confusing or hopeless, most likely I am viewing it from a perspective of human limitation. Instead, I have the innate power to see any circumstance from a spiritual perspective by turning to God in prayer. If I am seeing only problems and not solutions, illness and not wholeness, lack and not abundance, I sit quietly in the silence and reestablish my oneness with God, affirming wisdom, wholeness, and abundance. I begin to see things differently, at one with infinite possibility. I scale the heights of human awareness and view the world as from above, expressing oneness with God in all that I think, say, and do. I allow my spirit to soar. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. You're invited to join host Pamela Whitman for The Miracle Revolution, a program featuring music and guided meditations and teachings from A Course in Miracles. Pamela will share how we can return your mind to the one solution that already exists to all of our perceived problems. 
God has already given us everything. As we remember that we are joined, we claim the miracles that are waiting to be perceived. The Miracle Revolution, Mondays at 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world, and on 91.7 WLFR, Pomona, New Jersey, on Mondays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.